Hey everyone, welcome to Take a Second, a weekly Come Follow Me podcast meant to strengthen our personal connections with Jesus Christ, as well as deepen our appreciation for His role in our Heavenly Father's universal plan of salvation. I'm Brian Ricks, and Stuart Black is here with me. Thanks for joining us, and let's get into uh, let's get into this week's scripture block. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. All right, here we are. It's another week of Come Follow Me. Welcome back to Take a Second. I'm Brother Ricks, Brother Black, and we're doing Matthew 8, Mark 2 through 4, Luke 7. Luke 7. Yeah. This is where it starts to get a little confusing. <laughs> and where it starts to get bouncing back and forth, I was trying to, I was noticing that some of the things that will be in Matthew 9 are in Ma- are in Mark 4. Right. So I, I, the best advice I can give at this point, just read the chat. <laughs> Don't worry about getting things in their proper order. Um, I don't know if, I don't know about anybody else, but anytime I heard my grandparents tell a story, a story could take 45, it could take 45 minutes to tell a 10 minute story. And they would spend 30 minutes of that arguing about what order something happened in. You know? <laughs> he didn't come yet. That was later on. It doesn't matter. Just, just read the stories, enjoy it. Um, I really like in the Church Come Follow Me manual. Yeah. <laughs> in the Come Follow Me the manual this week, there's a cup. There's a series of questions early on, and you ought to look at those. And one of the questions that I've taken from this is just uh, as kind of a an evolution of those questions in that introductory section is just as you look at these miracles, as we start to now look at healing the lepers or the widow's son, um, we'll get to the the woman with the with the issue of blood next week, Jairus's daughter. As you look at these things, it is kind of cool to get to talk about what he's done. Um, even the walking on the water or this calming the seas. Sometimes it's easy to get caught up in the look at what Jesus did and get really excited because some of them are simply cool. Like yeah. walking on water or calming the seas or raising the dead. Those are very cool things to do, but um they're here for a reason. Remember at the end of John's record, he's like, if we'd written down everything, it'd fill every library in the right. world or whatever. But I, I have, I take a faithful approach to the, to the gathering of the records that make up the new Testament. Those Christian saints in, you know, second, third centuries as they're compiling these letters that they've gathered and that have been passed around. I, I can't see that. I just don't believe that God left that up to chance. I think that there are specific reasons that specific stories made it into the into the Bible, and that they're meant to teach us something about us, something about Christ, or something about our relationship. Mm-hmm. And so, as you go through these, my my first teaching suggestion is is as you start to investigate each one of these miracles, ask yourself why this miracle. I think it was President Benson that said something similar about the Book of Mormon. Ask yourself why did Mormon put this in the Book of yeah. Mormon. And I think as we do the miracles of Jesus, same thing. Ask yourself, why why this miracle? Why the healing of the leper? What is it about this account that made it worth saving more than, you know, how many other lepers did he say did he heal? And and as you start looking at it through that lens, with those three questions, what do I learn about Christ? What do I learn about me? And what do I learn about our relationship? It can it can open your eyes to new insights. I, I think that's wise. And uh a, a lot. You mentioned a bunch of the miracles that you're going to be able to see this week and come follow me. And um, they're just a couple of verses. Yeah. And and I couldn't help but trying to put myself in these people's shoes. This was a life changing moment <laughs> for them. And you and I are like, where's the big one? Yeah. Where's the? <laughs> and we're flipping the page and we're like, I want the one where everybody stops and everybody watches. And I've realized that for me, when I'm looking at the miracles that I that Jesus Christ has done for me in my life. 
that maybe they wouldn't be the same for everybody else. It would be the couple of three yeah. or four verses, but to me, life changing. Yep. And 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 it takes me forty five minutes to tell the story mm-hmm. about. Okay, do you know where I was, and do you know where he was, and do you know why this was such a big deal on this day that this happened? And it's because it's not a coincidence. I was telling uh, a member of my ward that on Sunday, uh, at, um, they needed to hear a particular message, and we had spoken earlier. I had asked some other speakers to speak in church months, or uh, not months, a few weeks before that, before I knew what was wow, going on prepared. for this person. And I'm not that prepared. <laughs> and uh, the message on Sunday was uh, about a particular topic. And I just mentioned to him afterwards, I said, isn't that so cool? That was not a coincidence for you. That topic was well in place way before you needed this message. And I feel like miracles are often that same way there. Um, so I, if I'll just start with, with one, um, and I'm kind of cheating a little bit here. Oh, Mark for one. Sure. <laughs> so uh, well, that's not even, I know, but it's the same story. And I just like how he tells it more, um, in, uh, when Jesus is going to talk about, uh, he's casting out uh, a bunch of the devils and stuff. And, we'll, and we might talk about the pigs and the swine here in a bit, but in verse 40 of chapter one in Mark, there came a leper to him, beseeching him and kneeling down to him and saying unto him, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus moved with compassion, put forth his hand and touched him and saith unto him, I will be thou clean. And as soon as he had spoken immediately, the leprosy departed from him and he was cleansed. And he straightly charged him and forthwith sent him away and saith unto, saith unto him, See thou say nothing to any man, but go thy way, show thyself to the priest and offer for thy cleansing those things which Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. Um, just a couple of, of thoughts with this. Number one, Mark is sometimes called the secret gospel. And it's not because people read it less than the other Gospels, though people probably read it less than the other Gospels. Um, but Mark is, uh, um, he's the, probably the earliest of the Gospel writers. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's, he's uh, always talking about the doings of Jesus. It's, you get this word straightway immediately, straightway immediately, and it's laced throughout Mark's Gospel. Um, and the other thing is Mark is writing this in the mid-60s um, AD, so AD mid-60s. And this is a bad time to be a Christian because Nero is persecuting people like crazy. This is when they're crucifying Christians in their gardens and burning crosses. And I mean, it is a horrific time. And the end of Mark's gospel now is pretty much he focuses more time on the cross than he does on the resurrection. And he's trying to help people see of his time that don't be, don't be a believer just because Jesus does miracles or just because you get what you want. Be a believer for the right reason. And so he's the one who mentions more often than the others, don't tell anybody about it. Mm-hmm. And that's because the gospel needs to spread. And we talked about this with the temptations of Jesus, that it, it's not for big signs and for proof. And you're like, oh, Jesus jumped off the temple, therefore I believe him. But it's because I, I know it deep mm-hmm. down inside of me, not just for the the sign of it out there before that. Um, and, and then my second little thought is, is just this, that you're talking about ways that we connect this to us. Leprosy is not very common in the United States mm-hmm. of America anymore and, and in most established countries, though there still are documented cases. Mm-hmm. Um, but you could substitute every time it says leper right here for sinner or leprosy for sin and read that story again. There came a sinner to him, beseeching him and kneeling down to him, saying unto him, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus moved with compassion, put forth his hand and touched him and saith unto him, I will be thou clean. And as soon as he had spoken immediately, the sin departed from him and he was cleansed. Mm. And, and just that, that substitution for us and that miracle, and, and we'll probably talk about Mark's other big miracle here in just a second. Um, but the miracle of cleansing us on the inside 
is such a bigger miracle and more long-lasting than the miracle on the outside. Yeah. Well, I think with that, let's jump there. Let's go Do to it. the palsy. Do it. Um, so you've got the Savior starting to gain popularity. And, and a lot of it is because of these miracles. Yes. Like that's that – is... And this guy, by the way, when they usually go, yeah. after he's like, don't tell anybody, they go to the next city. like, guess everyone. what happened? Yeah. yeah. Well, part of that is is everyone that would have known him – You've got to explain. You walk right? by this this left a lot of time, and it, yeah. And so whether it's my family or whatever, I get to come back. And why are you here? Well, yeah. So so some of it is situational. And and can I just add on to that too? That for leprosy, it w- it might be good to go back and review what did the law of Moses prescribe for leprosy, mm-hmm. Leviticus fourteen, and identify those things and the sim- symbolism behind Leviticus fourteen is incredible. Talking about hyssop and and wood and a scarlet thread and these two birds and one you dip in the blood and then you send it to heaven and it it leaves bearing the scars of sacrifice or the marks of sacrifice and so the symbolism behind it is incredible but the priest would have known too mm-hmm. he has to come out and say yes you were clean yep. therefore who's that priest going to be when he goes home and tells happen? his wife uh-huh. hey guess what like the word is going to spread yes so, yeah, there's a, so as he starts to as, the, as this starts, as his popularity starts to grow, he starts preaching, and while he's in Capernaum, um, people are gathering around, and there's a group of friends, and they've got they've got a buddy who's got palsy, um, and they get him in a litter or a kind of a, a cot, and they carry him to Jesus, but they find that it's kind of hard to maneuver a crowd when you've got a cot, mm-hmm. and you're trying, so they climb up on top of the roof, and they start kind of removing the thatching, and they kind of open this this opening in, a, in the roof, um, there's the part of me, I'm thinking, you know, we've got sheetrock and two by fours and I'd have some serious problem with people trying to pull away my roof. The word they use is they broke it up. They broke it up. Um, I know their roofs are different than ours, but that's still the idea. It's right? like, that's not, it's, it's not a convertible house. Right. Um, so there's some work involved here and it lowers down. And I love verse five. I think one of the principles, one of the things that I think Jesus wants us to know is almost the Alma the Older with his son Alma the Younger principle. It, when Jesus saw their faith, the work of or the, the ability for the faith of, of us to work in the lives of others or the faith of others to work in the lives of us um, is, is significant and that the Savior recognizes the faith that we, ex, that we exert in behalf of other people. So he then looks and says, all right, to the person with, with palsy, thy sins be forgiven. In verse 6, there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why doth this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but only but God only? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your heart? Whether is it easier? And I, I always read this as the, like as always posing a question to them. Hey, what's easier? What would be easier for me to say? Your sins be forgiven or be healed of the palsy? What's what would be be way safer for me to say your sins are forgiven? There's no physical evidence of that. Mm-hmm. Like I can make that statement and have you go away and claim to be a true prophet or messenger of God, and you have no proof to counter my argument or my claim. And then verse ten, but that you may know that the Son of God, the Son of Man, hath power on earth to forgive sins. I'll say, I'll, I'll, I'll do both. And he turns to the man with the palsy. He says, arise, take up thy bed and walk. Uh, go, thy, go thy way. Uh, and then here's Mark's word. And immediately he rose, uh, took the bed, and, and they were all amazed. 
I, but I, I love the fact that the Savior is, um, the Savior's putting, I think, in, in priority this physical healing versus spiritual healing. The spiritual healing is, and Elder Bednar has taught several times that sequence matters. And the Savior deals with the spiritual first. And I think as you ask yourself, what, it, what do we learn about Christ in this story? Well, look at the order that he addressed this man's needs. Elder Talmadge and Elder McConkie have both pointed out that it, it seems likely that the man's sins are what led to the palsy. Um, or that they at least preceded it in some, some sense that there's... Uh, that that's why the Savior addressed the sinning first. But you learn something about the Savior, that, that what he's most concerned about is our spiritual well-being. And I think sometimes we, in our in our efforts to follow President Nelson and, and daily repent daily, sometimes we get our spiritual house in order, but we put it at the bottom of the list. Like it's, I'm going to do this first and this first and this first. And when I get to it, then I'll get around to doing my scripture study or when I, when I reach this landmark in my life, whether it's career or school or relationships, then I'll start going to the temple. And we, we've put, we've put the wrong, the wrong priority on, on the physical and, and have left the spiritual behind. And that to me is one of the, one of the messages from this story is take care of the spiritual first. And so often the physical things will fall into place. I I had a wise stake president just building on that, uh, Brian, that he had this phrase, and I'm just going to take it from me. Uh, he said, establish celestial patterns. And we were in college at the time, and that was that was his, his point or his hope or his view that he said, that idea that, okay, when I'm done, when I'm established, when I've got the career and the job and the house and the wife that I want, then I'm going to start with my celestial patterns. And he said, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. Establish it now. Get the right things in the right order. And, and I love that you point that out, that the Savior, he cares about both. It's not like it's one or the other, yeah. but to him, the sequence really does matter. For you and for me, like we really need to get the, the correct celestial patterns happening mm-hmm. in our lives. Um, I'm, I was intrigued with this story relating it to, to Luke just because of the friends. I, I am somebody in my life who have been, I've been blessed with great friends. Mm-hmm. I've been blessed with great friends in my career, good people like you. Um, people that I've taught with over the years, but from a young age, I've, I, I'm a social person and I've always, uh, my high school years, uh, somebody asked me once, they said, why do you want to serve a mission? I said, there's two big things. And one of the first one I said was, it was my friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I hope I did that for them as well, that they had a huge impact on me, uh, um, that they, they're part of the reason I'm sitting here and, and I love the gospel and, and I like to think that I'm one of those people, too, that when I see a friend in need, I pick up a corner of that cot mm-hmm. and I haul him there. And, and I think this would be a great teaching moment to look back and maybe even to reach out to some of those friends in your life who have grabbed the corner of our bed, so to speak, and helped take us to the Savior. And sometimes that's family members and sometimes it's good people in our lives who add perspective to us. But we all have people around us who help get us to the Savior. And what an opportunity now, as you're reading through the story, to point that out and say, who, who are people that have helped you find the Savior, who stop at nothing, mm-hmm. who break down roofs and, and say, listen, the friends aren't the ones, once they get to Jesus, they, they back up. And they're like, this is now between you and him. Yep. 
And, and I love that idea that uh, in verse five, when Jesus saw their faith, and I hope I'm the type of person that my faith ha- helps strengthen other people as well. Yeah, I love that. I, I, I don't know that there's any way to uh, overestimate or overstate how important your friends are. You know, I remember talking to my kids about like, you are the average of the five people yeah. you spend the most amount of time with. And I had two people in my classes tell that same phrase really? this last week. It's just struck me. Yeah. yeah, that's incredible. It is. It's and what's interesting is it's not a it, that's not a church thing. Mm-hmm. I, I, with both of my boys, when I've had the conversation, it's it, they assume that I'm coming from a church angle, and I'm like, no, no. What you don't understand, is, this is a business principle. It's everything. It, mm-hmm. That's that is a truth that permeates everything. You really are. I I look back at my own decision to go on a, on a mission. I, I wasn't necessarily in a place where, you know, I certainly wasn't being encouraged. Um, in fact, most people I. I don't know that I ever remember even being asked about going on a mission because of our own family situation, and um, and I think I think people were just excited to see the fact that I wasn't going to jail. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, I I'd make it to to young men's every once in a while, and I think a lot of people thought that's a big deal um, for him and his background. And so when I made the decision to go on, I I can think of a couple of friends, uh, you know, Dak Van Orden and Ryan Decker, Jason Skidmore, a few of them that. Me getting in the mission field, I, I don't even know if I realized it then, but looking back on it, I'm like, if it wasn't for for those and maybe a couple more, there's no way I'd get in the mission. And then I look back and say, man, every good decision, I think it was at President Hinckley's, yeah. every good thing that's happened in his life was because he served a mission. Mm-hmm. And I can look back and say, wow, that's true. Like, I, I there's no question in my mind that my mission, the, my time in the Dominican Republic, got me to set some priorities in straight in, in place that it was just, this is how I'm going to live. And I would I don't know that I would have made those commitments in any other place in any other situation. And so man, I look back and think about the blessings of my life because of those friends. And, and it really is a way I, and I don't know that it's, it's not quite as drastic as throwing me on a litter and getting me, but often our grabbing a corner is simply by the way we live our lives. It's just our examples. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, I, uh, I'm having a, just a flood of thoughts and memories and experiences as a as a teenager because we talked about the gospel with my friends, but it was everything else. And and when we did, it was just a natural part of our conversations when we were dirt biking or mm-hmm. hunting or something like that. That it was just just something that we'd bring up, like, "Hey, have you ever thought about this?" Oh, okay, interesting. And then it was on to something else. Yeah, yeah, and, and it was okay, but it was just it was a part of our lives. Um, I just one other thought from this chapter in Mark. Um, I, when Jesus is, uh, he's at a party with a bunch of bad people. Well, people mm-hmm. that Jewish people would say are bad, uh, scribes and Pharisees, they're, they're seeing him eat with publicans and sinners. Um, and they're like, how is that possible? And when Jesus heard it, this is verse 17 in Mark two, he saith unto them, they that are whole have no need of the physician, but they that are sick, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance that we, we really have got to get out of our mind that repentance is like getting caught and going to the principal's office or that we only need Jesus, that uh, people in the church don't need Jesus or something like that. And the reason we go to church is the church is not a retirement center for perfect people, but a rest home for those that are sick. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I saw a meme once and uh, I think it was a picture of Kevin Hart or something. And it said, being mad that sinners are at church or is like being mad that fat people are at the gym. <laughs> and and that, that idea then that, that it's okay. There's a reason that we all show up at church, and it's to get into better spiritual shape. And I love that Jesus calls himself the physician. Mm-hmm. And 
again, as we're talking about the miracles that he's doing, yeah, he's a he's a physician in the physical sense that the man with palsy walks and the man with leprosy is is cleansed, but the sinners to repentance, that's the true healing. That's the mir- that's the miracle. And and that can be a miracle when I think of President President uh, Nelson is asking us, seek for miracles, look for miracles. What about repentance? Mm-hmm. Can't that be a miracle that we see tons and frequently, especially if we're accepting the Savior's invitation to repent? Yeah, I like that a lot. Um, so, unless you have anything from three, uh-uh. I want to talk about four. Do it. The very, I don't want to jump to the very end of four because <laughs> I think we're going to talk about the parable of the sowers later yeah, on in Matthew. Yeah. Matthew 13. So, yeah. we'll get there. But Matthew, Mark 4 has what I think is my favorite. Yeah, you were saying this, yes. I love this account of the calming of the storm because of because of something that happened in one of my classes. Um, I think that there are some times that, as teachers, I you know, I've, lawyers are never supposed to ask questions they don't know answers to, uh, right? right? I think teachers need to do that all the time. I think we should always ask as long and, and we need to be open with the fact that I don't have an answer for this. It's it's not guess. What I don't thinking. know is a good answer sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I was asking one day we taught. I was teaching this in class. I was at UVU and. Uh, you get to verse 40, and, and most of us know the story, right? They're, they, they, they're crossing the sea, and the storms come up. And I, I always picture Matthew, who's the publican and the the the, the non-fisherman, the, the non, <laughs> yeah, the non-boatman. Yes. And I picture him watching Peter and James and John going, "Okay, they're they're fine, they're fine, they're fine." The but moment when, they lose it, <laughs> when Peter loses it, Matthew's got to be just going bonkers. He's got to be losing his marbles. Yes. And so there comes a point when they're all losing their marbles, and they look back, and Christ is asleep on the boat. And and so then they go back to him, and they're like, "God, oh, we're gonna drown." And then he he stands up and he says, "Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith?" And so I just asked the class, "I'm like, why? Like, why is the Savior so critical? This seems so harsh." And He's tired, they woke him up. Yeah, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Don't. No. This is what happens when you wake up Dad on a Sunday nap. <laughs> And one of my students pointed this out in verse 38, the phrase, the phrase that they woke him up with, and, and the suggestion was, maybe it's not that they were afraid. Maybe it's not. I mean, he does say, why are you so fearful? But that could be interpreted to say, like, how could you let your fear get so big that you would make this statement? The statement that, carest thou not that we perish? Of all the things that you can throw at the Savior's feet, of all the, of all the accusations that could be made of him, that's one that can never be made. Like, and, and the idea then later is how could you let your fear cause you to forget how much Christ loves you and cares about you? I, and I, maybe I'm the only one, but I think often, at least at some point, most of us will have a reason to look up in the heavens and, and ask, like, have you forgotten about me? Like, did you know, like, I'm still here. And, and maybe utter even the same phrase, don't you care what I'm going through? And, and our fears, that it's, that's our fear, or that's the, the tragedy of whatever's going on in mortality. And it's the one thing we can't ever, we can never accuse the Savior of, is not caring about us. And I just love the idea that, you know, no matter how frightened we get, no matter how tragic the events of our life become, the one thing we can never lose sight of is that Jesus Christ loves us. God so loved the world, he sent his only begotten son. This is why Christ is here, is because he cares. And so um, the idea here is, is that don't let your fear 
get so loud that you you forget about the things you've already learned. It's Elder Holland's principle of don't give up the ground you've already won. It's it's President or Elder Dorf's doubt your doubts before you doubt your faith. Most of us have come to a testimony that Jesus loves us. It's one of those basic principles of the gospel that we've come to a uh, you know at least a basic awareness of. And yet sometimes life's events start, they get so loud in our face, in our ears, or so so right in front of our faces that we forget that, that, that we forget that principle, or we don't see life through that, that lens anymore. And the Savior's going, hold on. The other thing I really love about this is in verse 39, and, and this is one of the reasons why I like the Mark version better, is that in verse 39, he fixes the wind first. In the Matthew account, if I remember right, he he says to them, you know, how you have little faith, and then fixes the wind. I love the Mark account that he fixes the wind first and then comes back for the instruction. He resolves the concerns so that they can learn. And I think sometimes in our own teaching settings, if I'm if I'm teaching a gospel doctrine class, um, there's some things that need to take place in the class before I can teach. And you can see the Savior doing this, setting it up so that they're in a place where they can learn. Um, and And then they're astonished even more. And wow, even the wind and the sea obey him. I love the the hymn from our, our hymn book, Master, yeah. the, the Tempest is Raging. And the, 105, yeah. The fact that Christ is still, you know, you you made the replacement with leprosy and sin, and, and we can replace wind and waves with, you know, whatever chaos. Sometimes it's health concerns. Sometimes it's family issues. Sometimes it's, you know, trials. mental trauma. Yeah, yeah trials. And that those things still obey Christ. And I guess, and one of the things I, I have thought about several times in, in getting ready for today and, and, and reading these chapters and the miracles, we had a sister in our ward stand up and share this really incredible story about um, her mom getting a, a priesthood blessing um, after becoming very, very ill and having kidney problems and, and eyesight problems. And she's given a blessing and told, you're going to be made whole. And all the doctors and everybody said, nope, 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 never going to happen, never going to happen. And um, and, there, and it's a crazy story. Like, mom's doing things that she should never have done. Um, and, like, making decisions about her prescriptions. Like, I, I think I'm good without that one. Um, and sure enough, slowly but surely her kidneys start working again. And slowly but surely the eyesight comes back. And, and she just kept saying, I was promised I would be made whole. And I was reminded that. Sometimes so there, are, there are some of you that are listening or watching that there's a miracle. You've been, you've been watching the winds and the waves in your life, and you've been praying about it, and you've been working on it, and you've been trusting, and the waves just seem to get bigger, and the, 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 the world gets louder, and whatever you're dealing with just doesn't seem to go away. Um, I think it's important as we remember these miracles, Acts chapter 3. Peter and John, the resurrection's happened, Savior's left, Peter and John are walking up to the temple, and they pass this guy who's been sitting there for years. He's at that temple, he's at that gate at the temple every day for years, which means Jesus would have passed him. And so while Jesus is doing all of these other things with these other people, he's walking past this guy. And it's where you get the great line where Peter looks at him and says, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee. It's one of my favorite scripture stories. Not just because of that story, but because of the backstory, meaning there was something about Jesus's perfect knowledge that knew that this gentleman needed to be healed by Peter in that moment, not a year earlier. And, and so I found it interesting in, in part as one of the 
talks that's suggested in this week's Come Follow Me is Elder Bednar's talk on the timing of the Lord. And you can find that link just in your in the Come Follow Me uh, part of the app. But as we think about the miracles, uh, there are going to be those miracles that happen in our lives, and there will be others that will be delayed. And I think we've got to acknowledge the Lord's timing in each of these because for every person that – for every, every storm that he stops – there's, there was a storm that sunk a boat, yeah. and, and that's, that's the reality of mortality, unfortunately. And, and I think just building on your last comment there that um, I think sometimes the Lord calms the seas, and other times he helps our help us keep going Yeah, yeah, to stay afloat. The, the boat was full. I mean, that's what it says in 37, the ship, not a boat, the ship so that it was now full. Somehow it was still floating. If it was literally full, that blows my mind. And so there is this idea then that verse 41, the question that they ask each other, what manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? What an opportunity as a family or as a class to testify of the Savior. Mm-hmm. Who is Jesus? When have you seen him do this? When have you seen him help you just get through the storm without shutting off the wind? And you have tons of those great examples that the brother Jared, that example in there that the Lord doesn't shut off the storm. Mm-hmm. The storm is what helps them get to the promised land. Yep. And at the promised land, celestial kingdom, at the end of the day, you're like, that's what I needed. I needed more wind. And I needed a bigger storm. And other times, Jesus is like, this is you learned it. Yeah. This is enough for you. And, and, he, and he works with them perfectly, individually, exactly what they need. Yep. And, and I, I was thinking that earlier with uh, when we hear uh, when the, uh, the man with palsy, um, he does it in front of everybody. That Remember, the house is packed. The previous chapter, he tells the guy with leprosy, don't, don't tell anybody. Do yeah. And then in the next chapter, he's like, all right, everybody's watching. Uh-huh. You ready for this? Yep. I'm and and this it's so, so unique that Jesus and, – and there's no other way to say it except for he does the perfect thing at the perfect time. And for the miracles that we seek in our lives, I, I wish that more of us could just remember that, that he does the perfect thing at the perfect time. It works out the right way. Yeah. And And the other thing to keep in mind – he calms the sea tonight, but guess what? In a year, I don't know. I don't know what the time span is, but these same apostles are going to find themselves on another boat with crazy waves. And yet, and I, and I'm, I, I will talk more about it. But I am convinced that it's this experience that gives Peter this, the the conviction that he can get out. Mm-hmm. There's something about this verse 41. They feared. Um, what manner of men is it that he can obey the way? There's something about this experience that gives Peter the courage to say, if it's you, tell me to call me. I believe you. And I'll come out. I'll get out of this boat. And and so you see the instructive, you know, the instructive role of trials and, and difficult things and, and how we learn and progress. Just because Jesus stops the wind once doesn't mean the wind isn't going to come up again. And we can face future storms better based on the way the Savior acts in our lives in this one. I think that's wise. Um, I I just have a couple thoughts from Luke seven. Okay. Um, the uh, the first one, and, and this one's uh, I think this one was also earlier in Matthew. Maybe it was in Mark as well. Um, it's the centurion servant. Jesus heals the centurion servant, and uh, at at the story, he sends people out to go get Jesus. And as he's coming, the centurion's kind of shocked. He's like, No, 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 no! You didn't even need to come. Don't bring. Yep. Don't. You don't even need to show up at my house. Just say he's healed and he's healed. And uh, in verse nine. It says, when Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him and turned him about and said unto the people that followed him, I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And I've just thought in my life in verse 9, what can I do that would cause Jesus to marvel? 
that would really like catch Jesus off guard in a good way. And obviously that, that word marveling is probably happily surprised, or I don't know exactly a good interpretation of it, but that idea that uh, Jesus knows everything, but there still is something that he's, he's, he's proud of him. That he, so, he looks at him, he's just like, I am so good for you. I, your level of faith right now, and I just, I, my connection to that for a gospel principle is just this, is, is there some things that you, that you accept as doctrine or as the Lord's work just because you've heard it? You're like, I, I don't need any more proof than that. Mm. And, and I, there's some things in the gospel we, we have to chew on and study and like dig into, and we got to hear 10 people's different thoughts about it before we really get it. And then there's other things where we're like, no, I felt it. And, and I, I have that answer inside of me. I accept the word and it's, I'm okay with it at whatever point that is. And, and that to me is a, a great story. Yeah. With that. So you had a thought about Marvel though. I did. Well, just this idea in, in chapter eight. So Ooh, back in Matthew jumping 8. Ahead. No, I'm just kidding. No, <laughs> oh, I'm just I'm jumping backwards. Backwards. Matthew okay. 8, this, this part yes. of the story, huh? it tells it a little bit different. There's this, there's this commentary that about the savior with regards to that. Um, and the servant comes out and says, "Look, I'm a I'm I'm a leader. I'm in charge. <laughs> I, I tell people what to do, and they do it. I know who you are. All you got to do is speak it and be done." And the Savior says, "I've not found that kind of faith, not in Israel." And I just started thinking, "I, what's the demonstration of the faith? Like, what is it that this guy did that that warrants the statement? The Savior's going to make this statement about a couple of Gentiles. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't have this kind of faith, and I, I think." In part, some of it is the fact that you've got these people who don't have the background, who don't have the prophecies, who don't have the anticipation of a Messiah, and yet they're so quick to accept him as a Messiah. Um, I think that's part of it. But I, what else is it? Is it I, I'm fascinated with the fact that you've got these Gentiles who are over able to overcome um, a cultural divide and embrace something that's not a part of their culture. And I, I'm and maybe there is a book. I, I, th- I think often about African-Americans who joined the church pre-1978. Um, and, you know, and I, I, that to me is just this unbelievable faith to, to be able to stand and, and to rely on the feelings of the Spirit despite the culture and despite the, what, the, what you see with your eyes. And to me, as I was thinking about this, I, some of this is some of that is I think what the Savior is commenting on is as a Gentile, your ability to accept what is meant, what what really has been a Jewish faith, mm-hmm. and to embrace it. I'm, I, I think that you know in the 21st century, uh, there are there have been some things said about the church culturally that about the church about the church's culture. And our ability to look past those things and have faith in the church, despite the weaknesses of the culture, uh, I, to me, that's one of the things that the Lord is commenting on here is not to let the culture or the, the limitations of the culture be a limitation on him and his church. Love that. And, and that, that perspective, and, and you mentioned it with the storm, that you have to put things in the right order. I think that laces back to the man with palsy, put things in the right order that Jesus doesn't say, there's no storm. What are you talking about? Yeah. Be brave. Like that's, that's not, 
that's not what happens. And, and I love that idea of put first things first. And as you do, I think everything else, I think as President Benson said, everything else falls into its proper mm-hmm. place or it drops out of your life. It drops out. Yep. <laughs> and so he said, one of the two things will happen. But first, you have to start with the priority. This man put Jesus first and everything else works out. Yeah. The man with palsy and his friends put Jesus first. Everything else works out. Um, even those disciples on the sea sometimes are like, oh, come on, have some faith. Yeah. They still went to Jesus first. Yep. And everything else worked out. And I, I mean, back to this, I know we left it, but there are some things to point out about this. Number one, Jesus was always in the boat. He's not absent. He's not absent. He, this is not an, an absentee God who shows up from time to time. He was in the boat and the storm got calm as soon as they woke him up. Maybe what we need to do is wake Jesus up in our lives. Yeah. Make him an active, you know, activate him more often in our in our lives Speak. by doing the things he's been asked, he's asked us to do. Um, the other thing I love about the, the Mark faith and, and um, why, why are you so fearful and have faith in me? Mark, unlike the other gospels, whenever Mark uses the word faith, he's not referencing some kind of a inner conviction that something is true that you've been taught. That's not the kind of faith he's talking about. The, the type of faith that Mark is throughout his book. In fact, I, I think I heard somebody say that every time Mark uses the word faith, it can be replaced with the idea of trust. And so when Jesus says, you have little faith, you know, don't you, don't you have faith yet? It's why don't you trust me? Trust me, trust my plan, trust or trust the father's plan, trust my role in the plan. Um, But it has to do with trust, have, have trust in me. And what do you see the centurion doing? I trust you. I trust you so much. You don't even have to come to that. Just say it. (laughs) Just say it. What is it about the leper? It's, I trust you, if you will. That's We didn't even mention that, but the Savior, the, the leper's words to the Savior, if you will, almost suggesting that your will above mine. Your yeah. will above mine, and, and if you don't, it's not going to change how I feel about you. Mm-hmm. And and then the Savior's statement, I will, speaking to the, to the Lord's active role in our lives right now, that uh, I love president nelson i thought about it when he was president of the quorum of the 12 in 2017 he makes the statement that it's it's doctrinally inaccurate to reference the savior or the power of the savior through shortcut phrases such as the atonement or the atoning sacrifice of jesus christ that any of those things runs the risk of cutting christ off from those things that are taking place in our life a month earlier than that, Elder Holland makes a reference uh, in a face-to-face and says, "Sometimes we treat the atonement as though it's this standalone thing. Standalone thing, and like it's it's like it's a vending machine out in the field that you can, you know, if your if your recommends current, you can plug that in and get whatever blessing you want from the vending machine of the oh, atonement. The atonement, yeah, yeah. And and President Eyring in the same face-to-face in that same section says, the atonement's an event. It's something Jesus did." And what I think is one of the most one of the clearest teachings I remember on the power of Christ and the Father and the atonement and how all of that works together is the idea that when you feel something from Christ, whether it's the healing cleansing that we're reading about now or the forgiving that we've been talking about and reading into some of these stories, when you feel those things, when you feel burdens lifted or enabling power, any of that stuff coming from Christ, it's not the atonement. What you're feeling is the power of God that he gave to Jesus because he did the atonement. And what's happening is Jesus is making a decision. He's exercising his agency right now in your life to give you that blessing. 
crediting the atonement is accrediting something that's 2,000 years old and it's, it's history. And we miss out on the fact that Jesus is acting in our life right now. He's standing up in the boat saying, cease. Or he's making the statement to heal our, our servant or, or cleanse us of the leprosy. And so I, I think it's, it's this fascinating idea that Jesus Christ is actively participating in our lives right now. Just a, a brief thought with that, too, is when, when Amulek in Alma 34 is talking about the infinite and eternal nature of the atonement, I think that's because he's referencing that idea that Jesus Christ is still active in your life right yes. now. Why is, it, why is it infinite and eternal? Well, because you still are accessing it because Jesus Christ still lives. This isn't an arbitrary event, but it is still yours now. That he hasn't it, these miracles, I, I think they're there because there are miracles. They're the things, and we, we kind of started with that at the beginning that these things, if, if I was to write down my little miracle in here, it's probably the two or three verse thing, but to me, it's huge. I, I just want to share one, one little final thought here from Luke, the next story. Uh, I think this is, Luke's the only one that mentions it, I, I think. In verse 11, this is chapter 7, he goes to Nain. There's lots of people there, so you have these groups, many of his disciples, and then this funeral procession, much people. Uh, verse 12, now when he, was, when he came nigh to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and much people of the city was with her. So that's in one group. So you have kind of this weeping for the dead, and then you have Jesus symbolically on this other side of he's representing the living. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said unto her, Weep not. And he came and touched the buyer, and, and they that bare him stood still. And he said, Young man, I say unto thee, Arise. And he that was dead sat up and began to speak, and he delivered him to his mother. Um, what strikes me about this miracle is that this woman didn't ask for it. Hmm. That there are definitely times in my life where I have not asked for a specific miracle and I've gotten it. That Jesus Christ just sees me in a moment where it just seems like my world has fallen apart. This widow lady has one son. Her life's in shambles. And Jesus sees her and has compassion. She doesn't even ask. And he says, here's your miracle. And I know that Jesus Christ can do every miracle for us. That when we need it, he, sometimes he just shows up and it's like, I didn't even think you were going to do that. And other times my friends help me find Jesus. And other times I have to say, your word only. And I'll take it. And other times I have to wake him up in the boat and I have to feel like, hey, I really need a lot of help right now. <laughs> and he's like, I know you do. Uh, but in every single one of those cases, I love that Jesus is there. He's present and his miracles are real. That is something I know. That's awesome. That's a great note to end on. Thanks for joining us again this week on Take a Second for Come Follow Me. We'll uh, see you next week when we jump into some other chapters and talk about some other stuff. <laughs> Sounds great. See you then. <laughs> Well, thanks again for joining us on Take a Second for Come Follow Me. Brother Black and myself want to emphasize that in this episode or any other episode, there's nothing that we've said that is meant to or can in any way be interpreted as the official doctrine or policy or practice of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Uh, Brother Black and myself simply represent two guys that enjoy talking about Scripture and and on our own life experiences as it relates to the gospel of Jesus Christ and and hope that in sharing some of our thoughts and, and insights but certainly our personal opinions and nothing more that uh, maybe it might open up the scriptures a little bit to you so thanks again for joining us on take a second and we will see you in our next episode <laughs>